We are back on the most important stop of the day. This is the money stop, your most important NASCAR betting stop with Cole Cusimano. I'm Stephen Cusimano. Together, we are the Cusimano Bros, coming to you after one of the most exciting race weekends in NASCAR history. It was a big success at the Chicago Street Course, and congratulations to the Project 91 team. Shane Van Gisbergen wins in his NASCAR Cup Series debut, the first driver to do so in 60 years. And so if you predicted this, you banked out big time. I believe it was plus 4,000 for the win. But Cole, from start to finish, I guess taking out the weather from the equation, because that's an unpredictable, it's something that you can't prepare for. And there's only so many ways you can get it right. Everything that was physically possible and that NASCAR could have manifested with this Chicago street course was an outstanding success. The ratings, the attendance, I mean, you could not say enough good things about what happened at Chicago. Obviously, the race from time to time is a little sloppy. Again, you couldn't predict those kinds of conditions on the course. But man, Shane Van Gisbergen wins in his debut, an absolutely incredible charge through the field late in that race. And, uh, you know, so many different players, Justin Haley, a guy we didn't predict. Again, one of those race weekends where you and I might have been a little bit off with some of our predictions, but that's completely, in my opinion, it's completely fine and maybe expected with the wild card this race was going to be, and I'm so happy with the way it played out. I see a lot more street course races in NASCAR's future. What a monumental achievement. I mean, the the most watched race in six years since the finale in Dale Jr.'s final season in 2017, and I think they did four times the numbers of the Daytona 500 this year, so... NASCAR set out to do something. They did it, I think, tenfold. And I think the on-track stuff was very good. Like you said, there were some sloppy aspects of it. I think they got the running order kind of messed up after that bunch up. And I think it was turn 14 when William Byron went into the tire wall and caused that gigantic traffic jam. But I thought the racing was great. It was kind of what I expected. Um, Once someone got in the lead, it was very hard to, to... give that up just given the track position and the nature of street course racing on top of the the wet weather and and the damp surfaces but I thought it was incredible I think obviously having SVG win in his debut for the first time in 60 years it's happened in, in the cup series that was just so insane it was a historic weekend all around and I cannot say enough great things about Julie Giese NASCAR the city of Chicago for getting this thing going I mean an hour before this race, I thought there was no way in hell it was happening. Torrential downpour. I was listening to Julie Giese on Sirius XM NASCAR radio. She was saying it hadn't rained in like two, three months. So I was just gutted. I felt so bad that all the uh, the concerts got canceled, the Chainsmokers, Miranda Lambert, all those things, because it seemed like an incredible event. And I was like, damn, it, it's, it's going completely wrong. They're getting rained out. It's a complete wash. But All in all, I think it turned out fantastic. Once the racing got underway, the excitement was way back, uh, filled up in the air again, and it was just outstanding. And I see a lot more races like this in the future, and I cannot wait for the future of the sport because, again, I'm still buzzing over it, as you can tell. It was incredible. And just, again, touching on how we did in, in forecasting this race, I think we did pretty well based off the results. I know... Performance-wise, some guys like Chase Elliott and Austin Sendrick might not have deserved to be in the top 10, but their results nonetheless, and I think we did cash out in, 
on a few of those big money bets, and we did a good job forecasting this uh, first street course race in NASCAR's history. I'm just thinking, Cole, like, of, of all the things that are going to come from this success, from, like, on the track, when you're a different driver in a different sport from NASCAR, you're an F1 driver, you're an IndyCar driver, and you see a supercar champion in Shane Van Gisbergen go out there and win in his first race, I think this does huge things for the sport in terms of appealing to a wider audience of, again, F1 drivers coming to the sport, IndyCar drivers. And we've seen it throughout history, but I think in the modern NASCAR era of this next-gen car, seeing Shane Van Gisbergen do it, I think it's going to be something that really appeals to other motorsports personalities throughout the world. And I think it's not going to be the last we see of the SVG types who enter NASCAR and go with a Project 91 type team. Because, I mean, what did we talk about going into this race weekend? We talked about literally our last episode, how good is Trackhouse racing for NASCAR? And we said it about Daniel Suarez. We said it about Ross Chastain. And now we're saying it again this week about a third driver whose name a lot of people in the NASCAR world didn't even know last week. And that's just one side of the spectrum. I think of some of the other outlash of, I heard that the stat was 70% of the people who attended the Chicago street course had never been to a NASCAR race before. And what a great first race it was for them to be at. I think that just the skyline backdrop, like everything could not have gone better. That was within NASCAR's control. And I'm glad you brought up our good friend, former Phoenix Raceway track president, Julie Giese, because what a job by her and the entire team there to make sure it happened. And to handle the situation as they did, it's not an easy decision to stop the Xfinity race two laps shy and make it official from before it was supposed to be halfway. And it was not an easy decision to to trim the race 25 laps of 24, 25 more exciting laps of racing for the fans that were there. But they did what had to be done. They didn't think they would have to deal with draining the track. And they, that was another unheard of obstacle that they had to overcome. And I think it's so impressive to see the way the weekend went in general, but especially the way that NASCAR adapted to make it happen. And it's it's just so exciting. One of the most, one of the best success stories we've seen in NASCAR in the several years. I mean, just such an innovative race weekend, something you could have never predicted five, 10 years ago, but it was a smashing success. And looking at the rest of the top 10, I mentioned there were a few, and you mentioned too, Cole, there were a few names up here that were not there for the majority of the race. Shane Van Gisbergen, the winner in his first cup start. Justin Haley came so close, man, to winning his second cup race. He round up second. Chase Elliott, third. Kyle Larson wound up fourth. You know, again, two guys that were not running up front for a majority of the race. I guess Kyle Larson was for some of it, but, you know, there was just so many comers and goers in this race. There was no way to really know who was going to finish in the top five. And the perfect example, the guy who finished fifth. Kyle Busch buried in a tire barrier early in the race, and he winds up in the top five. Austin Sindrick, who was in our DFS lineup, he was one of my favorite sleepers for the win, wound up sixth in the race. Michael McDowell was, I believe, one of your sleepers for the win, wound up seventh. Joey Logano, eighth. Ty Gibbs, another guy that was cleaned out one part in the race, he wound up ninth. And man, Chris Buescher with another road slash street course top 10. Just a lot to unpack there. And again, I think we were on the money last week, pun intended, when we said there was a sweet spot between our sleepers and our value picks. We weren't as sold on our favorites. We weren't. We said it up front. We said that there was the sweet spot between those Michael McDowells, the Austin Sindricks, the Chris Bushers, who we were very confident in finishing the top five, top 10. We both said it. And that is exactly what's reflected in the top 10. Yeah, we, we got five out of the 10, which is, I think, a really good job in, in the first street course race in NASCAR's history. 
I think some other drivers we also um, pointed out. We did point out SVG. He was not on DraftKings for some reason when we checked and, and recorded last week, but he was one of the drivers. Jensen Button had a really, really nice top 10 car, but got mired back after uh, some contact with Chris Buescher going to pit road. But yeah, I thought we did a great job. I cannot wait for Atlanta. I think we have another bit of a wild card this weekend, but a lot of positive momentum for a lot of drivers, for the sport, and I just can't wait. It's going to be a night race too, which is going to be great to see these, these cars going almost 200 miles an hour under the lights in Hotlanta. Yeah, this is exciting too because the last thing you want to do after such an exciting race weekend where there were so many eyes on the sport is go to track that might not be competitive or entertaining, but... We're going to Atlanta. We're going to another big city, and we're going to a track that has roots in the sport and a track that's recently been repaved and produces super speedway-style racing, which is so exciting for the new fans in the sport that may have latched on last week, and they're looking for something exciting this week. So you couldn't script it any better. Another big city, another great track that's got a lot of history, and that's going to produce great racing. So switching over to that side of things now, our nickel or dime segment... Take a look at our graphic. It's on at the underscore money stop. It will be by the time you're listening to this. This is where keeping it with the money theme, we break the paint schemes. We each give a couple dimes as well as a nickel, which would be a 10 out of 10 and a 5 out of 10 roughly. So it's a a little bit of a tough week for paint schemes, Cole, only because last week was the 4th of July. We had some cool patriotic themed paint schemes, which is my personal favorite niche of paint schemes. Now coming to Atlanta this week, there are some nice ones. There's a couple that maybe are a little bit plain, but... Um, I'm going to start by giving out a dime to the 99 Quaker State car of Daniel Suarez. And this is a car that is such a dime that I mentioned it before it hit the track when they initially released it on social media. It's the typical Quaker State gold and green, but it's got a really nice chrome gold looking 99 on the car. White green, white gold running down the side, the typical Quaker State track house design. Uh, it, It just looks really cool. And I can't wait to see that one, not even on track, but specifically under the lights. And uh, I'll also give, because I'm in a chrome mood right now, I'll give another dime out to the 11 car that Denny Hamlin is tracking out this week. It's a Coca-Cola car. It says Coca-Cola scripted out across the side, just to the right of the number. Red with a nice white design, uh, silver chrome numbers. I just think it looks kind of like a Coke bottle or a Coke can. So those two jump off the page to me. I also like the seven Corey LaJoy's bringing. Uh, and as far as nickels go, I- I'm not a huge fan of the 41 that... Ryan Priest is rocking this week. It just looks a little bit too detailed for something that, you know, you might have to be close up to it to really appreciate it, where there's the star behind the number 41, and then there's the black separated by the white in the middle of the car and the black on the back of it, too. So it's just one of those that maybe when you're looking at it in person, it might be more impressive. But I do have to give a nod to that one because a QR code on the car. We haven't seen that yet, but I think that that could be a game changer. Like you think about how big QR codes now, how big QR codes are now. And if there's a fan on pit road, if there's a fan in the stands, I don't think they're going to be able to scan the QR code. I guess we'll see, but that's a game changer. I've not seen a QR code on a car. So I got to give that one a nickel for the way it looks, but a dime for the innovativeness. I'm going to double down a few of those ones you just said. For a dime, I love that number 99 Quaker State car. I think that Quaker State cars are usually synonymous with summer, and we are in the dead heat of that in July, so I think that's going to look awesome under the lights with the chrome as well. I will also give a nickel out to the 41 Orion Priest. I don't like it at all. You mentioned the color separation. The front by the nose is black, the back's black, and the middle is white. There's a gigantic like sheriff star 
pushed way in front of the 41. I don't like the QR code. You have the associate sponsors also blocked in by the QR code in front of the rear wheel. Just not a fan of that car at all. I will also give a nickel out to the number 10 of Eric Amarola. The front half is his classic Smithfield car. Then the back half is broken off by an IHOP sponsorship with the uh, like a baby blue background. There's a a uh, red scoop going along the side behind the 10. I just think those two colors clash, the black and the white, the blue and the red, doesn't look great to me. I'm happy you brought up the number 7 of Corey LaJoy as a dime because I'm a massive fan of this car. I think it could be a, a silver dollar contender. It's a black base, and then there's blue and yellow lines that go along the side of the car. The giant Game Bridge logo with an arrow in front of it behind the 7 just looks really clean, really sharp, and I think it's going to look badass under the lights. And I will give out one more dime to the number 3 of Austin Dillon. This is a patriotic car, but it's an army green. There's a few uh, greens in there, some browns. It looks really, really nice. I'm sure it's going to be a matte finish as well, but it's a military degree equivalent Dow car. There's a bunch of names written out on it, I guess uh, paying tribute to some of the guys and women that have uh, taken part in this program. There's a white number three with the black outline, and in front of the number three, there is a really cool like three-lined flag design in front of it. Uh, a thicker one with the the stars and a, a darker background, and then two uh, smaller strokes that uh, kind of give off the, the stripe design. But really, really nice-looking car. I think it's a solid field this week. Not great compared to the last week, but I think we're going to see some pretty cool cars on track for the uh, Atlanta night race. Yeah, they always look cooler under the lights, don't they? I, I'm a big fan of both those you named. I, I touched on the 7, but anytime there's blue and yellow on a car, I'm going to be a big fan. And then the number 3, Austin Dillon. Great car. Anyway, that's our nickels and dimes. Take a look at the graphics. See if you agree with us at the underscore money stop on social media. Let's talk about what these cars are going to do on the track. And we'll preface this, of course, by saying that, again, this is a little bit of a wild card too. It's a super speedway. Ever since they repaved this Atlanta, it's been a little bit unpredictable, but it's been kind of a controlled form of chaos. It's not as crazy as a Talladega or maybe a Daytona, but it's certainly up there in that range. So, We've got a decent idea of what to expect here, and we can start by looking at the odds per Sharpling Gaming and BetMGM pre-qualifying, which we'll take a look at once we know that later in the weekend. But the favorite, despite him not having won a race this year, is Chase Elliott, valued at plus 1,100, Kyle Busch and Ryan Blaney, and Joey Logano, each co-favorites at second highest odds, plus 1,200, and Denny Hamlin rounds out the top five, plus 1,300. So, it is a who's who of drivers who have been championship contenders in the sport. And I think you could even throw Ryan Blaney in that mix with some of the flair he brings, even though he's not been really a championship contender. But I think that uh, Vegas is on the same page in that it thinks that the drivers who have contended here in the past are going to do so again. And that there's going to be these veteran drivers of the sport, the Joey Logano's, the Kyle Bushes, the Denny Hamlins, who have a say in what we see in this race. So without further ado, Cole, let's jump into the favorites category. Yes, and I'm a big fan of this weekend because obviously when you go to tracks like Daytona, Talladega, and now Atlanta, the odds are so favorable for betters. Case in point, Chase Elliott, the favorite at plus 1,100. And why I like Atlanta specifically is because, yes, it has super speedway properties. That's how the racing goes. There's a lot of drafting and whatnot. But you mentioned controlled chaos. I take stock into the results from the three races we've had here on the repave because 
you can definitely have control in this race. It's not as much luck as it is at Daytona and Talladega. I feel like that this race is in your hands if you're smart and precise and deliberate with your intentions on the track. You're going to have a successful day, and I think that's why it favors aggressive drivers like Ross Chastain, Corey LaJoy, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how certain drivers approach this race with the playoffs being only eight races away. There's only eight races to that cutoff. You got drivers like Chase Elliott, Corey LaJoy that are, are, are uh, pretty close in the points, and you, you weigh the risk and the reward, so I think it's going to be a fun one to bet, and uh, why don't you kick us off with your first favorite, Steven? I love Chase Elliott this week. I think you mentioned the, I don't know if desperation is the right word. Maybe it is the right word. Desperation, urgency of the drivers who are on the outside looking in that see this as a big opportunity to to win the race. And I think Chase Elliott is a guy that, regardless of what his standing in the points is in the playoff race, he is a guy that is going to come out and he's going to look good at Atlanta regardless. It's his home track every single time we come here. He looks great here, and especially since the repave. He did miss the spring race here due to injury, but he finished sixth in his other start at this configuration of Atlanta and won in his last start at Atlanta. So three straight top fives here as well at a difficult configuration, as I mentioned, with some of the wild card that it is. He's led 125 laps here. Again, he is the favorite, plus 1,100, valued at 10,400 on DFS. I would say most weeks, like considering what we've seen from Chase Elliott this year, Maybe a risk, but I like what we've seen from that team lately. I think you mentioned it. It was either on the last episode or the one prior to that, Cole, how it just seems that there's certain days this season where that team unloads slow. They come out with like a 15, 20th place car in terms of the speed, and they wind up finishing somehow in the top 10. And a great example is Chicago Street Course. Didn't see him up front for majority of the day. Finishes third. I think that he just has a natural knack for putting that full race together. And for the first time since the broken leg, I think we're really starting to see some consistency pieced together by Chase Elliott. And it happens at a good time, going to one of his favorite personal tracks, one of the tracks that he excels the best at. So I'm a big fan of Chase Elliott this week, regardless of outside circumstances. But the position he's in in the playoff positioning makes me an even bigger fan of his this week. Yeah, I mean, it's a hometown race for him. And just for clarification, that was three straight top fives uh, this season, 2023. So he's finished fifth, fourth, and third, respectively. So should we expect a runner-up this week? Should we expect the win? I don't know. I just know he's going to have a really good day. I uh, I love Chase Elliott as well. I think uh, anytime you go to a hometown race, the, the pressure's on. You want to perform in front of the hometown crowd, and he's just so damn good here since they repaved it. Another guy who's been great at this track and in general on tracks like Atlanta is Joey Logano. Started from the pole last year, led 140 laps, and just flat out dominated by winning the race. Gotta note his super speedway prowess. Second at Daytona, and of course he has Coleman Presley on top of the spotter stand, one of the best in the business. Also, top 10s in three of his last four races this season, which is very important because we mentioned through 18 races the inconsistency wasn't able to establish a rhythm. Well, now he's got that. He's got momentum. And I think comfortability is a big thing as well. You're coming into a race where you have three top tens in the last four races, a track where you dominated last time. And I think this is a driver that's, again, I mentioned how the aggressive drivers usually tend to perform on this new Atlanta. Joey Logano is very much in that, in that conversation. 
and he's also locked into the playoffs with the win at this track earlier this year. So I got to imagine that Joey Logano is going to be a force in this race. I think the Fords in general are going to be really good. I think Logano is going to qualify up front and stay up front for a majority of the day as long as he can keep the nose clean. Again, his value is plus 1200 for the win and $10,100 for DFS. And I mentioned the Fords being strong. I got to mention Brad Keselowski. He was in command firmly in all three super speedway races this year before failing to seal the deal. Finished fifth at Talladega, second in this race with 47 laps led. Also has over 90 laps led on super speedways this year between all three tracks. And we always say it, he's one of the all-time greats on these style tracks with seven wins. And you mentioned it before talking about Chase Elliott, debating the risk and reward of the playoffs. Brad Keselowski is 13th in the standings, plus 91 points with eight races remaining until Daytona. And my take on Brad is this is a driver that wants to win. He has not won in a long time. And I think that he sees Atlanta and Daytona as his two best bets to win and make it in the playoffs. I think he should and he will make the playoffs based off points, but I know he wants to get that win. I don't think he has that in the back of his mind where he's going to risk wrecking out and having a bad points day. He knows he could win this thing. I think he's going to give it all he has. And much like Joey Logano, he has TJ Majors on the spotter stand. He's arguably the best in the business um, at these types of tracks. So I love Brad Keselowski. Maybe a little bit more risky than Joey Logano, given that he does not have a win. But again, I, I personally don't think it'll play a factor. He is plus 1300 for the race win and $9,000 for DFS, which is a great value. I mean, when I think about that last Atlanta race, and Brad came literally like a turn away from winning. And we, we highlighted him as a driver going into that week. We've highlight, highlighted him at every Super Speedway event we've been to this year. When I think of Super Speedways, I think of Brad K. And like you mentioned, in command at all three Super Speedway races. I just think that you think about, I mentioned those words, desperation, urgency in terms of the playoffs. That does not really describe, I think, the what Brad Kozlowski is going to bring to the table for two reasons. One, because like you mentioned, he's in on points anyway, more than likely, as long as the wheels don't completely fall off. And secondly, I think of another expression I used before, controlled chaos. That's what I see out of Brad K at every super speedway track that we go to. He just has the most natural knack for super speedway racing of any driver in the field up there with the Joey Logano's, the Denny Hamlin's. He just looks so skilled and calm and collected doing it. And I have zero doubt in my mind he's going to be a, a contender to win this race, just as he was the last time we were here. You think super speedways, you think of Brad Kay, you also think of Ryan Blaney, who's my other favorite to win this race, specifically at Atlanta. He has the third best average finish of drivers with three starts at the new Atlanta at 9.7. Again, not easy to do, but Ryan Blaney has done that. He's riding back-to-back -to -back top 10s there. Finished seventh there in the spring in what's been kind of an inconsistent season. His most consistent results have come at the super speedways, Atlanta included. Top tens in all three super speedway races, like I mentioned, but also second at Talladega. Three wins at super speedways and one at Atlanta before the repave. 9,700 in daily fantasy, really solid up there with the Brad Kozlowski's in terms of the value. And plus 1,200 for the win is, again, co-favorite for second. I feel there are a few better favorites bets than Ryan Blaney. Value-wise, I think you can look at other drivers like Brad Kay as a better value. I think Joey Logano and Chase Elliott are 
a little bit higher price than Blaney. So if you don't want to spend quite as much and you want a slightly better value, you're not going to miss out as much by inserting Ryan Blaney into your daily fantasy lineup or throwing a flyer on him because he's another guy. He's got the win now this year. And I think that he's going to be riding with confidence into the playoffs. And he sees this just like you mentioned with Brad, like I mentioned with Chase and even a little bit with Joey there. They see this as a really good opportunity to win because you think of Atlanta, you think of super speedways, and you're going to think of Ryan Blaney. So I'm really, as we weren't that confident with our favorites last week, Cole, I feel very confident about those favorites this week. And Chase, Blaney, Logano, and Brad Kay, they're all in the top five in odds per Vegas, with the exception of Kislowski, which puts in perspective what a good value he is. Yeah, I'm a big fan of our favorites category, and I'll put it bluntly, I am a big fan of the Fords and the Chevys this week. Not so much the Toyotas, and that's why you didn't see Denny Hamlin um, mentioned in this first category. Mainly because I, I mentioned, you or you mentioned the controlled chaos, and I mentioned how you can kind of go based off the results from these prior three New Atlanta races. They have not been there for Denny Hamlin. Uh, actually, all four Joe Gibbs Toyotas do not have more than one top ten in those three starts with the New Atlanta. So I'm looking at the Fords, I'm looking at the Chevys, and I really do believe that, that the winner is going to come from this first four drivers we mentioned, Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, Brad Kozlowski, and Ryan Blaney. And obviously it is a super speedway style race, so you can go with your gut. But again, I am taking quite a bit of stock into prior results from this new Atlanta, given, as you mentioned, the controlled chaos. Agreed on all counts there. I think the sweepers were our bread and butter last week because, again, there was a lot of unknown. We do know more with this new Atlanta, the controlled chaos that it is. Moving to our sleepers, there's a few I feel pretty good about. There's several that might be a little bit volatile. I'm going to start with Bubba Wallace. You mentioned the Toyotas, how they don't have the strength in numbers, but Bubba Wallace has strength in consistency lately. He has strength in the fact that he is a temperamental driver. It's on one of his best runs, his best months of the season coming out of the month of June. He's had trouble closing races out, but he's been there at the end for pretty much every new race at Atlanta. So I even think about the last one. We're putting a lot of stock, we're putting a lot of our eggs into the basket we've seen with this next-gen car at this configuration of Atlanta, and we've seen that that 23 car is very sporty here. He's 15th in the standings, 15 points to the good in terms of a playoff spot. You know these drivers want to have a good run with uh, you know those ones that are on the playoff bubble that have an outside shot at winning. Bubba Wallace, valued at 8,300 in Daily Fantasy, is a very solid value. Plus 2,500 for the win, I actually might like more than his Daily Fantasy value just because of the volatility that comes with picking one of these Toyotas, but big fan of Bubba's this week. And then we go to super speedways again. This is the the ideology that has stuck for us all year is picking the guys that have excelled on these tracks their entire careers and especially in the recent history. And that's Michael McDowell. Not only that, he has got top tens in three of his last four races. Best finish of 15th at the new Atlanta. I think he's not as good at this track as he is at Talladega or Daytona but that that success could be coming. So I think that you want to be ahead of the curve in terms of predicting that success. I think it's a super speedway. He knows how to navigate these tracks. Again, I'm not expecting the surefire top 10, top five that we might expect out of like a Daytona Talladega, but at 6,700 in Daily Fantasy, that's borderline lock material for me. Plus 4,000 for the win, an outside chance. You know, a guy that would love to win his way into the playoffs. He knows it's possible based on what he did last year. And, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of drivers that are desperate in this field. And I think Michael McDowell 
is going to be a good mix of someone who is desperate, knowing that this is one of his best chances to win a race, mixed with the fact that he doesn't need to go for out for broke because this is a track that caters to his skill set. So Bubba and Michael McDowell, two guys that I've got my eyes on this week. I'm so happy you mentioned that with Michael McDowell because I feel the same about Bubba Wallace too in a sense that they are both so great on these style tracks, but the results have not translated to New Atlanta. The speed's there in moderation. I think Bubba Wallace runs up front more frequently. He's been there at the end, I believe, in all three of these. But Michael McDowell's been more of a top 15 play, borderline top 10, and I think that's made evident by both drivers by their results. Bubba Wallace has a best finish of 13th. Michael McDowell is the best finish of 15th at New Atlanta. So I think tread lightly more than you normally would with these two drivers. But given their background on these style tracks, they're always worth looking at. I agree with what you were saying in a sense that you like Bubba Wallace's race winner odds at plus 2,500 over his DFS value at 8,300, just given the volatility. So that that's also great advice. And um, I think Michael McDowell... He's just so hot right now, performing very, very well. You mentioned three top tens, last four races, so he's always worth looking at. And again, like you said, not a surefire top 10 play, but I think top 15, borderline top 10 is definitely a a possibility for Michael McDowell and Bubba Wallace. Two drivers I'm looking at are from the Trackhouse stable. I'll begin with Ross Chastain. You mentioned Ryan Blaney having the third best average finish among drivers with three starts at New Atlanta. Well, Ross Chastain has the best average finish at 5.7 at New Atlanta, two runner-ups and finished 13th in this uh, prior race there this year. Laps led in all the races for 79 total, and I mentioned it way earlier in the show. This track just suits his driving style, more of a controlled super speedway racing, and it favors the aggressive drivers. You got to be quick, got to be willing to push and make ballsy moves with no hesitation. That's Ross Chastain. Trackhouse is hot as hell right now, riding back-to-back wins. He is plus 1,600 for the win and 9,400 for DFS, which I like quite a bit. Speaking on Daniel Suarez, this is again a place where Trackhouse has shined in the past. Two top 10s. He was caught up in a wreck here in the spring and failed to make it past that damaged vehicle policy clock. Also has top 10s at both Daytona and Talladega this year, so results have shown on Super Speedways in 2023. And I think for Daniel Suarez, the pressure is on, speaking on those back-to-back wins with Ross and SVG, but he has looked much sportier as of late, although the results don't really show it. And I think Daniel Suarez is worth looking at. I think he's always going to have a really sporty and fast car at Atlanta. His value for the race win is plus 3,500, and great DFS value again at 7,200 for Daniel Suarez. I like those picks. Again, just riding the hot hand. You can't go wrong with that. And riding with the guys who, who have looked good at these kinds of tracks, and specifically this Atlanta configuration in the past. So for sleepers, Bubba Wallace, Michael McDowell, Ross Chastain, Daniel Suarez. Again, I think depending on their fantasy value, guys that I like their odds to win and their top five, top ten odds better than the daily fantasy values with the exception of Michael McDowell and Daniel Suarez because they're a little bit more on the cheaper side. So something to consider with those sleepers this week. As far as value picks, keeping it in the same philosophy of guys who have done well at the New Atlanta, and I'm going to start with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Best finish of 17th at this track. That was earlier this year, but he's led laps in all three New Atlanta races. We've documented heavily on this podcast all year that he's been a big moneymaker for us in Daily Fantasy, and he's valued at 7900 which is a little steep for some of the different values that are in the same range, like Daniel Suarez and Michael McDowell. I think Ricky Stenhouse Jr., is a guy that, contrary to what his 
kind of attitude usually is at Super Speedway, uh, where he's a go-for-broke kind of guy. He's either going to win or he's going to crash, like we said at Daytona, and he won at Daytona. I think this is going to be a little bit more of a, a normal feel to this race, kind of like we saw at times with the last Atlanta race. I think that he's going to be a, a guy that, believe it or not, doesn't tank your lineup. I just expect some a consistent run out of him. Obviously, there's always the possibility of him being involved in a big one. There's always that kind of uh, floor when you're picking a Ricky Stenhouse Jr., but we know what the ceiling is. It's a Daytona 500 win earlier this year, and so with him being at plus 3,000 to win this race, you can make some pretty big coin on that, especially considering that he is already in the playoffs with that Daytona 500 win. He can go all out and not have to worry about the consequences of it, so He's a guy that's proven he can run well at this configuration of Atlanta, and the value is very solid. He's having a career season. I think that Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is a very solid pick this week. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you go to a track like Daytona and Talladega, you got to pick Ricky. I think having that win does scare me a little bit because I think the aggression is going to be ramped up, and that could lead to disaster for Ricky. But um, nonetheless, when you go to tracks like this, you got to pick him. Someone else who I'm going to pick, who's also been one of the more consistent drivers this year from a DFS standpoint, is uh, Corey LaJoy. And I gasped, literally gasped, looking at his DFS value for this week. And it is a automatic lock, jam it down all the way. He has an average finish of 10th at New Atlanta with two top fives. The one race he had not placed top five, he led 19 laps and probably should have won. That was the race where Chase Elliott walked away with the win after giving him the bump and run. Uh, late in the race, but he's coming off a 14th place finish at Chicago, his 11th top 20 of the season, and his third in a row, so I flat out love Corey LaJoy this weekend, his value, again, is just ridiculous, I don't know how it is this, but it's $6,500, and his value for the race wins plus 3500 I love both of those, I think Corey LaJoy is going to be a smoking deal for this week, and I, I would say build your lineup around him, but you can really pick whoever you want for Atlanta given the uh, the values for DFS. That's highway robbery. Like when I'm thinking of this juncture of the season, like halfway through, that's in the top three or five biggest steals in terms of odds we've had all year long. Like you look at what Corey LaJoy has done this year. He's been a fantasy darling. He's been a guy that has made us a lot of money in terms of what we said verbally about him and his contributions on the track. But Man, Atlanta is his best track. You mentioned it. He almost won here. And I think that 6,500 in Daily Fantasy plus 3,500 for the win is criminal. And if you are not taking advantage of that, I question why you're even listening to this podcast. I don't think I could be more, both of us could be more confident in those odds. Keeping it in that same vein, I think there's another borderline lock here. And it's the guy who finished runner-up last week. That's Justin Haley. You think of super speedways? He's a guy that's lucked into a super speedway win early in his career. And I think ever since that win, because it was a rain-shortened event at Daytona, he's always had a chip on his shoulder because there's always been the fans in his ear chirping and saying that he's not worthy of the cup ride, that he's not a guy that deserved that win. He's always, he's been vocal about it. There's a chip on Justin Haley's shoulder. And when he comes out and has a run like he did last week at a, a street course, and finishes second, came within five laps of winning the thing. I mean, that would have been huge for Justin Haley. He comes out to a track that suits his skill set. He is a borderline lock at almost any super speedway we go to. But Justin Haley won top 10 at this configuration of Atlanta, and he did finish 11th there earlier this year. And if I remember correctly, I think he was one of our value picks for that race, and we looked good for it. Second place last week, 
He's already matched his career best top 10 total with four at this point in the season, and we're about halfway through now. I think that Justin Haley, look at his odds, plus 4,000. He's a longer shot than Corey LaJoy, 6,700 in Daily Fantasy. Again, like you mentioned, Cole, you can basically configure your lineup however you want this week, but I'm opening the app, I'm selecting Corey LaJoy, and I'm selecting Justin Haley. That's where my head is immediately going to, and then I'm, I'm building the lineup from there because, I mean, those two guys, I don't know how they're valued that low this week. It's crazy to me. Yeah, it's insane. I really don't understand the uh, the odds makers on that one, but that's that's a good thing for you better. So the final driver I'm going to mention in this value picks category is Eric Jones. And I mentioned taking stock into prior success at this new Atlanta. And Eric Jones, surprisingly, has the second best average finish of drivers with three starts here at 8.7. He has a lowest finish of 14th and a best of fourth in the race this year. And he also has top 10s at both Atlanta and Talladega as far as super speedways are concerned. And the thing with Eric Jones is he is 30th in the standings, definitely need the win to make the playoffs. And I think he sees this as an opportunity to rewrite the narrative in 2023. I know the result, results have not been there at all, but in the last month or so, you've definitely seen the speed pick up, the performance pick up, just a matter of stringing results together and really getting a win to get into the playoffs which we know he's capable of, that, then that team's capable of. He won last year in the playoffs, not as a playoff driver, but I think the speed's there. I think the uh, ability is there. Eric Jones is a guy that always performs on tracks like Daytona and Talladega and clearly New Atlanta. So he's, uh, I think, a very underrated pick for this week. And obviously, he's going to get lost with names like Corey LeJoy, Justin Haley, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., but... Eric Jones, really good value at $7,000 for DFS and plus 3000 for the race win. Underrated indeed. I think that, like you said, Cole, there's those fantasy darlings that, yeah, sure, we're talking about Justin Haley, Corey Joy, those types. But I think that Eric Jones is going to be a name that a lot of people outside of these airwaves are not talking about, that they probably are going to be coming out of this race. I mean, he has really big upside this week going into Atlanta. He could finish top 10, top 5. I wouldn't even be surprised if he won. Like, this is a, a type of track where, like you said, Cole, I think we can potentially see a first-time winner. And Eric Jones is a guy that I, I could definitely see it happening for based on his success at Super Speedways and at Atlanta in his career. So I feel really good about those values, Cole. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Justin Haley, Corey Woodjoy, and Eric Jones. So out of our 12 drivers, we just picked four values, four sleepers, and four favorites. We're each going to pick three, one from each category to dwindle this down. I'm going to take Chase Elliott from the favorites category, Michael McDowell as my sleeper, and then I'll take Justin Haley as my value pick of the week. Perfect. I will go Brad Keselowski for my favorite, Ross Chastain for my sleeper, and Corey LaJoy for my value pick. And on that note, let's get into our big money bets. These are our favorite prop bets of the week, usually top fives, top tens, head-to-head -head bets. And I'll preface this by saying that on BetMGM, which this episode is presented by Sharplink Gaming per BetMGM. They don't have the top 10 odds up yet as of our time recording this, so stay posted on our social media at the underscore money stop for the big money bets that concern top 10s because those are usually the easiest ones to win. We call them big money bets because you can put big money on them and get big money back for lower odds. So I'm looking at top five odds this week, Cole. I'm looking no further than Joey Logano, last time's race winner at Atlanta, plus... 225 to finish in the top five. I don't see any reason why that shouldn't happen. Along with Chase Elliott. He's the race favorite. He's excelled at this track. 
We talked about all the results and reasons earlier. I'm not going to get into it again. He's plus 225 to finish in the top five. Uh, those are the ones I like out of those that are pretty likely to happen. But then as far as ones with a little bit more of an outside shot, I like Bubba Wallace at plus 400 to be in the top five. I think, like we mentioned, he's had some trouble finishing the events, but we know he is capable of running really well at this track. Uh, and then I know we're probably both on the same page about Corey LaJoy at plus 500 to finish in the top five. I think that that's one I feel really good about. And Justin Haley, our other value, plus 900 to finish in the top five. Those are ones I proceed with caution a little bit more, but they're big money bets in the sense that they are props. But I think those are ones that you can almost play it like a race winner pick, like throw $10 on Justin Haley to finish in the top five, and you may be rewarded for it. Yes, uh, that's a great way of looking at it. And I also love the Joy Logano top five prop bet. I'm going to double down on Chase Elliott's top five odds again at plus 225. Again, this is a guy that has three straight top fives in the Cup Series right now. He's got the win here his last race, finished sixth, the one prior to that, and he's just one of the best at this track, period. I also think Brad Keselowski's going to be due for a top five day, finished top five at Talladega. He is at plus 260, and you mentioned Corey LaJoy, that plus 500 for a top five is... Pretty damn enticing, considering he has two top fives here already and probably should have had another one. So I, I love Corey LaJoy's plus 500 odds for a top five. Again, Chase Elliott, plus 225 for a top five. And Brett Keselowski at plus 260 for a top five. Well, those are pretty solid big money bets. And we showed our hand pretty early with our daily fantasy lineup recommendation. This could be a big money fantasy lineup here. Let's go through it. Um, presented. This is uh, on DraftKings per the values. Our most expensive driver in the lineup is Chase Elliott, and I want to preface this too by saying that there's so many good values this week that, like we touched on before, you can basically build the lineup however you want. So you can pick whichever driver you want regardless of their price, and we really like Chase Elliott this week at 10400 with the shoes that he's in right now. Next after that would be 9400 value of Ross Chastain for the reasons you gave before, Cole. Brad Keselowski, we mentioned him, a borderline lock at $9,000. And then you're looking at Eric Jones, 7,000, Corey LaJoy, 6,500, Justin Haley, 5,800. So those are three guys that we mentioned are borderline locks. I think being that you and I are on the same page of them should say a lot about those three. I feel really good about the back end of that lineup. Those are guys that I don't see tanking this lineup, which is, of course, something you've got to take into consideration. But another thing you've got to take into consideration is qualifying. We'll see how that ends up going Prior to the race, that could potentially shake up what this lineup looks like. But as of right now, I feel pretty good about this one. Yeah, and, and as you mentioned, it's pretty much like your personal preference. We feel good about these drivers. I think um, if you don't feel good about certain ones towards the back, like Justin Haley or Corey LaJoy, some other names I was kind of thinking about for this outline were Noah Gregson and Austin Hill. I think both those drivers will have uh, pretty solid days. I think top 10's not too bad of asking and Cole Custer's also running this race for Rick Rare Racing we mentioned their success last week with uh, Jensen Button and a few of those drivers so um, a million ways you can go with this you can make whatever lineup you want but I think as far as our lineup I like it a lot and uh, I think it should cash out for sure and I'm glad you brought up those under the radar names too because we you know we only pick 12 drivers a week but there's certainly others like again you mentioned SVG last week he wasn't in our top 12 because his odds weren't up yet but a guy that was worth mentioning, and, and he won the race. So who knows what we might see in victory lane 
This week, let's take a look at our race winner picks for this week, Cole. You picked first last week. You went with Chase Elliott, and he finished third. Um, so I get to go first this week. We take turns every week picking a sleeper and a winner. And I'm going to pick Chase Elliott this week. This is the third straight week that one of us has picked Chase Elliott. And I think that's a testament to where that team's at right now. Like, they haven't won a race yet. We said we want to see it before we believe it. And I've seen a team that's putting complete races together. I see a driver that is motivated to to win. And I, to be honest, too, like, there is an outside chance that Chase could even make the playoffs on points. I know it's a real outside chance. But this is a race that can be volatile to some of those drivers that are on the bubble based on if there's a big wreck that happens. And if Chase is to finish up front, he's right back in the mix in terms of making it on points with then seven races to go. But I'm banking on Chase Elliott winning this race. I think that it's just, it's Atlanta. It's Chase Elliott's house. I think that when you go here, he's one of the top three drivers you think of. And he's so due for a win. I think it's got to be this week at Atlanta. Yeah, I think if it's not Chase Elliott, it's going to be Brad Keselowski. He's, he's going to be my race winner pick, obviously. Uh, I think there are a few drivers hungrier than him in the sport right now for, to get a race win. I think he came so damn close to winning this race earlier this year. He's been elite on these style of tracks his entire career. And I think he finally gets the deal done this week. Uh, I'll pick him for my race winner. For my sleeper, we're looking at 15th and lower in the race winner odds. That'll be Ty Gibbs and down. I'm going to go with Corey LaJoy, the low-hanging fruit. Two top fives here. Should have won probably uh, last summer. And uh, it's, it's no-brainer in my opinion. It's got to be Corey LaJoy. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, there, if you didn't pick Corey LaJoy, I would have probably had to smack you. But I'm going to go with Justin Haley, uh, another one of our values. There's a lot of great values this week. I, I just think there's so many drivers that could win this race, and Justin Haley's one of them. Like, He's another one that's a little bit temperamental of a driver. We don't talk about him a ton as a potential race winner, but he almost won last week, Cole. Like, he could very well win this race. And in the calling equipment, I think you're starting to see a changing of the guard in the sport the last couple of years. The track houses, the colleagues, they're winning races these past couple of years. And why not Justin Haley at a super speedway like Atlanta? So, uh, Brad and LaJoy for you, Chase Elliott and Justin Haley for me. So, it's the Quaker State 400, 705 green flag on Sunday night. This is going to be a really fun one. Anytime we go night racing, there's always a little extra juice, especially at a track that everyone loves, like Atlanta. New fans, old fans, turn on your TV, USA Network. It is the Quaker State 400. Any final words, Cole? This is going to be a really exciting week. Um, Not a whole lot. I'm just really excited to watch it. Always produces some great racing. I think um, you get that super speedway qualities with the drafting and sometimes the big ones, I think we've missed a few here and there in these Atlanta races, but I think it produces incredible racing. I think the cars are so durable, as we saw last week at the Chicago Street Course, that it makes this, like we mentioned the entire show, a, a controlled chaos, and it makes for some great racing. This is one where I'm cracking open a cold dew, obviously, and enjoying it. Uh, it's Atlanta. It's going to be a hot one. It's going to be a fun one. And uh, let's go racing. Can't wait. <laughs> Let's go racing indeed. Again, 705 Green Flag Sunday night. Going to be a, a really exciting one, especially with the playoffs ramping up. For Cole, I'm Steven. This has been the most important NASCAR betting stop of the day, the money stop. And we're going to drop the jack on the money stop. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you bank out with us, and we'll talk to you next week.